Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And if this is your first time, I pray that you'll come back next time. And uh, feel more comfortable. Thank you, Bishop. All the bishops up here. I'm going to preach out of the book of Revelation, chapter 2. If you could turn there. The word of God is so powerful and so beautiful that the Lord uncovers a lot of things that are going on in the church. And when you think of the book of Revelations, it, it simply means, <clears throat> it simply means that something is covered, something is covered, like this, Revelations, and God says, I'm going to let you see it. So I take it off, and it's a fanta, but in, the, in this case, it's the understanding to the Word of God. <laughs> and John is sitting in prison. And if you think that you and I have been going through things, and probably we, we, we have, but John is in prison, and he was placed in a boil of hot oil and became paralyzed from his waist down. So they say that he would walk I mean, not walk, but while he was sitting, he would use his two hands to move his whole body. And you would say, how could God use a person like that? And God decided to use a person that was half paralyzed and had him write the book of Revelations. So God can use anybody. Tell your neighbor, God can use you, neighbor. So sometimes it might not be something glorious he was in the prison and that's exactly where God started revealing his word too so you never know what God's going to do with you you just simply have to obey God and, and do what God wants you to do and before I start there I want to read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 these verses for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Pretty heavy statement. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through pulling down the strongholds, holes, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing it into captivity, every, every thought, thought to the obedience of Christ. So, as you're walking, you're not fighting flesh and blood. Even though maybe flesh and blood is opposing you, but they have a different word than what you have. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
So if the word of God has set you free, that means when you have conflict, your brother might be in a different spirit than you. And you have to take authority over that demon and not allow him to take you down. But to say within yourself, hey, though I walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. I don't care how strong the stronghold is on that person. In the name of Jesus, you will be free. Because we have a lot of people sitting down here today. You might not know, but they've been set free. The only reason why they've been set free is because they know who Jesus is. Jesus is not a building. Jesus is not an organization. Jesus is a person that came on the earth and stepped on the serpent and rebuked the serpent and has no power over a person that accepts the Lord. So when you accept Jesus, you become powerful. When you accept Jesus, you have authority. When you have a knowledge of who Jesus is, then you can take dominion over the, the heirs, over the forces of the enemy, and tell the enemy, you do not belong here. You're going to get out of my house. You're going to get out of my mind. My children are not going to get lost. My children are going to be won because we're taking authority. So you're just not an ordinary person sitting down here today. Because you have the power to cast down imaginations, every, every high thing that assaults itself against uh, the knowledge of God, and bringing it into captivity, every thought, to the obedience of Christ. So you have authority. Say with me, I have authority. So when I'm walking around and the enemy is messing with me, I can use the name of Jesus and tell him, get out of the way, devil. You don't belong in my mind. You don't belong in my heart. You don't, I am not going down. I am not going to trip over. I am not going to fail. I'm going to live. And even if I fail, I'll get up and become stronger seven more times, stronger than what I was. Because that's the way God shapes us. That's the way God does things, that we're not warring against flesh and blood. We are warring against things we do not see. We do not see. So in the book of Revelations, God starts revealing what he wants to say to the churches in chapter 2. Because the Lord sees into a church. He sees right into the heart of man. That's why in the book of Revelations chapter 1, it says that his eyes are of a flame of fire. That means that he could see right through your soul. There is nothing that you can hide. You might as well start confessing. You can't plead the fifth. You just have to start confessing. Because when you confess, then God turns your soul around. And a lot of times, God uses the book of Revelations to expose what the church is going through. And because he is concerned about his church and he loves us so much, that he will send out so much grace and yet so, so, so passionate to get you back to where you belong. That is his nature. He loves human beings. And you have to understand that he loves you more than you love yourself. Some of you ladies wake up in the morning, you don't look too hot. 
But, but when you go and take that shower and you go over there to that mirror and that mirror begins to point you out, you start putting all that makeup on and then all that beauty and everything and all of a sudden you're a brand new person. There is no wrinkles, there's nothing. Your eyes are blue, your eyes are green, your eyes are brown, whatever they might be. But you're, you're gorgeous after that. Give yourself a clap offing, ladies. I just gave you a large compliment. <clears throat> and that's the way the church is. We a lot of times put a lot of facades. And if you think that you walked into this church and that everybody's going to know everything about you, let me tell you something. Nobody knows nothing about you. The only one that knows something about you, his name is Jesus. And he's the one that loves you the most, more than anything else. Now, let me reverse one out of the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. Now, Ephesus is a city. Okay? These things says he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, here's the picture. The picture is that God is writing to the churches. There are seven churches, but he starts writing to the church of Ephesus. And he says those words, these things says he that holds the seven stars. Say with me, seven stars. The stars represent the pastor of the church. He calls them a star, not a Hollywood star but a star that he has planted in the church. And when he plants that star, he holds it in his right hand. He, he holds it with the high authority. He doesn't think like you and I when we see a man. We don't hold him in the high authority, but God holds his man in the high authority because he is a star. He is the one that is teaching that church. He is the one that's taking care of the church, and most of all, he is the one that God has appointed to that church. And there is nothing you can do about it when God appoints a man in the church. There's nothing you can do. I've seen good-looking pastors. I have seen medium-looking pastors. And I have seen some ugly pastors, <laughs> physically. Now, I say that because God chose them. And you might say, well, that's not, that's not a good thing because I like good-looking pastors. No. You got to remember, God chose them. That's the point that I'm making. God chooses, chooses who he wants to choose, whether you like it or not. Because he knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. He's in control. Nobody tells him what to do. He does what he pleases to do, regardless of how human beings think. And here is John. He's writing this while he is dragging himself through prison and going into his cell and pushing himself into his bed. God gives him a, a dream, a vision, and he's writing everything that he is seeing. And he says he holds his stars in the right hand. And now the other thing, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The lamps, the seven golden uh, candles, are the churches that he's addressing himself to. They are lampstands. 
And those lamps hold fire. They're the light of a community. They're a light to a city. They're a light and a hope to a city. And God places them there because he loves his people. But he loves the church. The church is there. But he is moving there and looking at all seven stars. And he is investigating what is taking place in every church. Because the Lord looks right into you and right into the pastor. And he knows exactly what is going on. And he says, I walk in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now listen to verse 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them that which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them to be liars. Wow. What an investigation. God's telling John, write to the church of Ephesus, this is what I'm seeing. I am seeing, number one, I, I am seeing your works. I know thy works. Your works, how you're laboring, how you're moving, how you're acting. I see all your characteristics in you, what you're doing. And thy labor, how you roll up your sleeves and labor. Now, Anybody that comes to church, you think that it's nice to sit down with the air conditioner, but a lot of times we don't see the ushers that are laboring, the Sunday school people that are committed themselves to help the children. You're not seeing uh, the cooks that are cooking and, and Rudy that's running the sound to make everything sound so good and look good on TV. These are the laborers that are laboring while you come to church to give to God so that you could hear the word of God, but you're supporting the work of God, that is a labor of love. So you're part of that labor. So we need to see the whole church the way God sees it. He sees people working, laboring together. And then he gives another thing. He says, thy patience. To run a church, you need a lot of patience. Because with all these different characters and movie stars that we have, everybody looks sharp, but not everybody sounds the same way. Everybody has their own motives, their own attitudes, their own words, how to speak. You know, you have a crowd coming. And you have patience with each other. What makes a church is not only the labor, but being patient with one another. Especially when you think you're, you're coming to a perfect church and you find out that they're not perfect. Hello, operator. I haven't seen one church that's perfect. I haven't met one creature that is perfect. We are all imperfect. But yet, this church was very patient with people. And I'm telling you something, patience is a virtue. And when it's, it, it's power that God's given you to be patient with people until they outgrow themselves. And they grow themselves to be who God wants them to be. And they feel gifted. That God gives them gifts to become those people that God wants them to become. But patience is a virtue. When you have the patience for somebody to change, yeah. 
takes a lot of prayer to change Bobby, to change Susie, to change whatever your name is. It takes a lot of prayer for God to change you. But it takes one individual that is so patient and so caring that he loves you even when you fail, even when you fall apart. They're right there saying, we love you no matter what you're going through. Come on, let's make it together because that's one of the virtues that God's given the church. So we have to be patient. I liked when they used to sing that song, be patient, be patient, don't be such in a hurry, something like that. I mean, and it was a nice little church Sunday school song. And it was a good song because it taught the kids how to get patience in their brain so that they could put it from the brain to their heart and into their character. And into their character. So I would like to see patience with each other here. My teacher used to tell me, hermanos, no sean unidos de las greñas. I'll translate in English. Don't be united by the hairs. You know, people fight and they grab the hair first of all. That's not unity. That is strife and division. Patience is you put up with somebody because they're all screwed up. And you help them become who God wants them to be. When I see the worship team, they, don't they look beautiful? But if I ask the leader, who's giving you the most problem? He's going to tell me. And my words is, be patient with them. They're growing slowly. They're blooming. And they're blooming. And so far, they look pretty good. But sometimes they have a rotten attitude. I'm sure you don't have a rotten attitude sometimes. <laughs> we all have sometimes issues. Issues. We have issues. But the key is to be patient with yourself and patient with other people. That'll make a church grow. It's like a marriage. If you want a good marriage, you got to be patient with each other. And the man always thinks he's right. But don't forget, you got a partner. And she knows who you really are, tonto. She will pull up, she will, while you're pointing the finger at her, she will point 10 fingers at you of everything what is really wrong with us. Come on, somebody. It's good. I feel this nervous spirit all of a sudden. So thank God for two partners that get together and become one. And when they become one, I could always tell whose wife belongs to what man because I know the man and I see the reflection of that man inside the woman. And when a man is good, the woman is good. When the man is evil, the woman is hurt. Come on, ladies, say amen. amen. But when the man is treating his lady perfect and kind and sweet, she's always smiling. Ah, hallelujah. You're going to buy me what? Oh, yeah, hallelujah. And then she'll go with her rings like that. Hallelujah. Why? Because that man is taking care of her with a lot of love and patience. 
for that lady, taking care of her, and she becomes the reflection. So does the church become the reflection of God when we allow patience to take over and when we allow that character of God to come into us and move forward with all the love and concern for other people. If you want to be the church, be concerned about other people. Other people. Because other people are beautiful people. I, we have a lot of beautiful people here in this church. And I know them personally. And I am glad that I have certain leaders and certain couples that are so beautiful. I, I know they're not perfect, but they are perfect in Christ. Christ made them perfect. So I know that they're beautiful. And I have a lot of single people that are beautiful people. You know, the wolves, we take care of them on the side. That's why the shepherd has a, what do you call them? A staff with a hook on it. Right? That hook is there to grab you, put it around your neck and pull you out. That's what it's for. But patience, say with me, patience. That means that you're going to be long, long, long and long suffering until you see your brother or sister make it. So if you want to be a cabezón, we have a group for you. Be a cabezón somewhere else, but not here. Or you're a a donkey. God takes care of donkeys too, but it's a process. Okay, thy patience and has cannot bear them which are evil. Wow. So God knew that there was evil people within the church. And when he says evil, meant that evil, that people that did not agree for what, what God wanted that church to stand for. They were evil. They were evil against it. And they knew they were evil and they were coming against the church and they were still bearing them. What a, what a thing. Patience is almost bearing with people that are evil until they get converted. Yeah. I used to have a lot of people like that, evil people. I'm sure glad I don't have them here no more. Because I don't say too much, but there are evil people around. But I, I got you marked. Not with a pencil, but in my mind. And when I get the time and when I pray, I go to you and I speak to you so that you can become better because sometimes you're ignorant of why you're doing what you're doing. You can take a breath now. Cannot bear that which, which are evil. Thou hast tried them. Listen to this. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. Now we have people in church that everybody's an apostle now. And I hate, I hate when I hear that word apostle because they say they're apostles. And I say to myself, how many churches do you have out? Uh, none. Well, then you're not apostle. Because an apostle is one that plants churches everywhere. That's a true apostle. 
you just, it's not a gift. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to plant churches, to take the time to train people. That's a true apostle. Now some people come out and say, well, I'm an apostle. Well, how many churches do you have? None. Well, you're not an apostle. You might be maybe uh, a leader, but not an apostle. So I am very critical when I hear the word apostle because the apostle Paul never talked about being an apostle. He just talked about what he did. And God gave him the title apostle because he was the only one that had all these churches. I know like Pastor Mitchell, he had over 10,000 churches. 10,000 churches, that's an apostle. It's just not the gift. It is an action of that gift. And if you would say you're an apostle and you ain't got no churches, you're not an apostle. You might be gifted to be an apostle, but you never did anything, so I can't call you an apostle until I see the fruit. So if you tell me I love and I have patience, then I, I say, well, you're a good tree. It's the way it should be, right? So it, it makes me leery. Like I don't boast about who I am, never boast about myself. Maybe somebody else boasts about me, but I never boast of myself because I don't want no boast. It just creates more work. <laughs> Come on, give Jesus a clap off for me because he, uh, But notice that this church, it says, you have tried them which say they are apostles. In other words, they tried them. They sat them down. They spoke to them. And they were not what they said they were. And because the scripture says, it says, and are not, and has found them liars. Wow, that, that's a pretty heavy statement. How many here have, have kids? Lift up your hand. How many kids can say, that, that, that you ask them, what do you think of that person? And they say, I don't know about that person. And I said, why do you say that? He said, because I've heard them behind the scenes. And that means like, wow, that's, that's heavy. And that's the way the church is. Don't think that there's no ears listening to what you're saying. There are ears, then they're hearing, and guess where they're going to come back to? They're going to come back to me, and I'm going to find out who you are, what you are, and I'm going to have to deal with you. And when I deal with you, I deal real gently with you. I don't take a whip and whip you and all that stuff. I don't even raise my word, voice. I just talk to the person, find out where they're at, and find out how I can help them to get them out of the pit. That's all I do. So don't ever look at me as a tyrant. I am not a tyrant. I'm a very loving person with a lot of patience until you make it. That's my whole thing. But here the church has found them to be liars. Now listen to verse 3. And has carried and has patience for my name's sake and has labored and has not fainted. Wow. That's a lot. You put up, you carried the load and had, you have patience for my name's sake. No, not for nobody else. For my name's sake, for the Lord's sake and has labored and has not fainted. And not only was he talking, to, he was talking directly to the star to communicate to the church so that the star could see what was going on in the church. 
And a great wisdom was coming out of that, and great authority was coming out of that, and great love was given to that pastor in that church, and great love was given to the church because they were doing their work, and God said, I'm giving you a clap offering. I approve of everything that you're doing because you're caring for my people. Yep. And then he goes down to verse 4. This is where it gets interesting. You're doing all these beautiful things, he says, but nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Ooh, now he's getting down to the church. You thought that was something. Now he says, I only have one thing against you, that you left your first love. How many of you have ever walked away from somebody you loved? Just go like this. <laughs> you walked away. There was no more love there. No love ministries. So what are the characteristics of losing your love for somebody? What are the characteristics? When you lose your love for somebody, it's because they're mistreating you. That's one. When you lose your love for someone, it's because they no longer have the respect they used to have. You can always tell when the love, the thrill is gone from your love, is because no longer do you want to be spending money for them. Now you have two checking accounts. One for her and one for you. Just in case. It's going to get even hotter in here. The air, I told Rudy, put up the air conditioners. It's going to get hot. <laughs> so you remember when you came to Christ? The Lord touched you and you cried. You said, I'm here forever, and you gave your all to the ministry. You gave all your heart. You gave everything to God. And God said, you lost your first love. That's what he's talking about. You lost your first love. How do you lose your first love? Number one, you stop praying. You don't, you don't pray no more. Because whoever doesn't pray gets really hard-hearted. Whoever doesn't pray all of a sudden feels very loose. When you, you don't pray, you have no more convictions. When you don't pray, that means that you don't love God that much because it, it doesn't matter no more. You can take matters in your own hands. Amen. And that's what they were doing. They were playing the church part, and God was looking from heaven and says, you lost your first love because you're not even talking to me. You're not even praising me no more. You're not even caring for me no more. You're just play acting. You become one of those Hollywood stars. You know exactly when to turn on the lights, when to put on the makeup, when to look good, when to go up in the air and wave your hands. But, but there is nothing, nothing happening inside of your heart because there is no more communication with me. How many have ever gotten like that where you don't pray and you feel dry? So dry that, man, you feel drier than heck. 
that you don't even want to come to church. You wake up in the morning, ah, I don't want to go to church. And you go out to church for obligation. And when you come here, you make it. And all of a sudden, you talk to God and God talks back to you. And pretty soon you light up again. But what do you have to do? You have to sacrifice. You got to get up and do what you know what to do. And you got to get moving regardless of how you feel. You got to tell your old flesh, get up, flesh. We're going to church whether you like to go to church or not. I'm taking you to church. And there you can hear the church. The flesh barking. Don't take me there. I don't want to go there. Take me to see a movie. Take me to go to a party. Take me somewhere else. I don't want to go to church. But the minute you step into the house of God, there's some fire that comes on you. There's some conviction that comes on you. There's some glory that comes on you. And pretty soon you're fired up again. And that first love gets stirred up again. But these people let themselves go so far that they couldn't get it back. And they had to have a rebuke straight from God. Straight from God. How many here have ever felt the rebuke of God? When you've done something you should have never done, and all of a sudden you feel this harsh rebuke. Let me tell you something. It hurts the heart of God when we don't do what is right. It releases something into your spirit, and you know that it's been released into your spirit. And you know that you're wrong, but you won't face your wrong until you come back to that first love. I don't know about you. I like to be touched by God. I like the presence of God. I like it more than anything else in the world. Your first love stays there because nothing can sway you. Hell can break loose. Anything can break loose. But you say, no, I'm going to serve God regardless. Regardless if everything goes back. You become like Job. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to get up out of that storm. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And pretty soon you're stirred up. You're stirred up to accomplish. Even though you were weak, God gave you strength to accomplish what you needed to accomplish. How many remember when you fell in love with that man you're sitting there? Just a couple of hands, huh? Okay. <laughs> what, what happened when you were so in love? You were holding hands. Hey, baby. You know. Come here. Get closer. Get closer. When we had those old 56 Chevys, man, you had a straight bench. You would ride the car this way and she would slide over. I don't know, I gotcha. We need those straight, straight benches again. Now we're so separated from one another. We need a straight bench. I'm going to pray that somebody gets the idea of bring that straight bench back. Because you love them so much that you care so much for them and you're in love you're constantly kissing embracing you're so you're Pepe Le Pew my little cornflake and, and all these crazy stuff and then as the as it wears down as it wears down as it wears down as it wears down you're no looking at that you're not longing no more looking let me, let me put it this way. The woman tells you, what happened to you? Hey, baby, que paso? only vato. All of a sudden, you say, what happened to you? You don't kiss me no more. 
You don't hold hands no more with me. You don't say the kind words you used to say. What happened to the romance that you had? The thrill is gone, B.B. King said. <laughs> and the woman knows it. Ladies, you know it, right? Let me hear a louder amen. You know it. And the man knows it also when the woman gets cold. You're so cold, You're so cold sister. You used to hold my hand. You used to make me breakfast now. Go to McDonald's. Go to the French restaurant, rock in the box. They lost the first love. The feeling, the intimacy, that longing inside, that joy, that beautiful love, you lost it. And I'm just comparing that, but to compare it to the love of God where you just long to hear the voice of God just long to be satisfied in your spirit and to feel, man, I'm communicating with God and the presence of God is all over me and I love you, Jesus, and that brokenness, you didn't care. Now, I'll tell you, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you start pointing the finger of the faults of everybody else except yours. That's when you lost your first love. These people are crazy. They're crazy. They're, I don't know. I'm the only one perfect. No, and all these people are not. I'm the only one that sacrifices. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're taking your eyes off of Jesus and placed it on people. And you left your first love. Literally left your first love. I'll tell you something. You have to fight for something you love. Even if it's physical, but spiritually, you have to fight because the devil always wants to steal that relationship. He stole it from Adam and Adam and Eve in the garden, and you think he's not doing it again. Listen to me. We need to fall in love with Jesus once again with all our hearts, especially in these last days. And especially in these last days because deception is coming into the churches. Deception. There's woke churches out. But hey, we're not a woke church. We're a Holy Ghost church. Holy Ghost church that believes everything that this Bible says. Do you know that the Chinese have 10 years to rewrite the Bible? Well, let me tell you something. I love people. But the Chinese represent themselves as a dragon. And they don't believe in God. But yet they got the most Christians that they don't like. But God will always win. Because he's got a church that is on fire and that loves God and memorizes the word of God. Memorizes the word of God. So you and I need to come back to that first love. Remember what you did in your first love. You were willing to sacrifice. Work in the Sunday school. Work as a nurse. Work on this. Work on that. Why? Because you were full of the love of God. You just wanted to serve people. Because you found out that that was God. Those were God's people. You left your first love. Then, not only does he rebuke him there, but verse 5 says, remember. Look at verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent 
and do the first work, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove the candlestick out of that place, place except thou repent. Yes. Woo. Say with me, repent. Remember, therefore, from where thou art fallen. You fell. And you can always tell when you fall because now Jesus is not number one. And Jesus said, remember and do the first works because I'm coming quickly. Now remove the candlestick. The candlestick, don't forget, is the church. Every church that he wrote through in Asia, towards the area of Turkey, they're not there no more. Not there no more. Because they didn't take the advice of God. Repent and do the first work. That means put the joy of God back. Look for God. Bring the joy back. And let's roll up our sleeves because we're not laboring just to labor. We are laboring because we know we're going to die one of these days. And we're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, what did you do for me when I saved you? There's a lot of things that are taking people out today. And they've fallen and they can't even remember how far they've fallen. People are still using drugs. People are still getting higher than the kite. They don't care. They won't come to the house of God. They don't want nothing. They're cursing. They hate every single thing. And at one time, they were on fire. They were full of God. And now they're dead. Dead. And then you look at their children that have big future. They're dead. I got six kids. They're serving God. You know why? Because we fought for them. Did they put me through trials? Man, they put me through trials. I had to go to the neighborhoods to go get some of them out of We've broken in my life. And finally I said, God, those are yours. We brought them up right. You take care of them now. I'm just going to pray for them. And you bring them back. You do what you got to do. And let me tell you something, they all came back. All six of them came back. And they're all serving God. But I decided that I was going to serve God. Stella decided I was going to serve, she was going to serve God. And we were going to see these kids make it. Thank God for that. But you got to make up your mind who you're going to serve. Let me read verse 5 again so I can get to the end here. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent. What does repentance mean? That means turning your back on what's wrong and doing what God wants you to do. That's what it means. And that's what it takes. And then he says in verse 6, But thou hast... That thou hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans were something that had a doctrine like the Jehovah Witnesses. That only 144,000 were going to make heaven. Let me tell you something. There's more in heaven than 144,000. And there's more chosen than 144,000. That's what the nature of the Nicolaitans were. 
I love Jehovah Witnesses. I'm always after them to get them saved. But I love them. But they're wrong and they can't see it. Listen to verse 7. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise. Something that got hit. They're the only ones that will be able to go in there and eat of the fruit of life. Woo, the tree of life. Something that Adam and Eve ruined. We're going to walk in there and eat of the fruit of life. And some of us have lost loved ones. Do you know where they're at? In heaven. Right now they're having a party. They don't even remember us. We're the ones weeping and they're the ones partying. Sounds familiar, no? When we used to party and mom used to be crying. But now they're in heaven, walking the streets of gold. Yeah? With a brand new body. They can just imagine one thing and they're there. I'm going to Mars, boom, they're there. Because heaven is a total different place. I want to eat out of the tree of life. I want to make it in. Thank God for the grace of God that he's so good to us. Can you say amen? So, so good to us. <clears throat> so what are you saying, Pastor, with the whole thing is bringing out? Fall in love with Jesus. That's what it's bringing out. Get back to your first love. How you used to love the word of God, now you don't even read it. How you used to pray at home. Now you don't even pray. The TV has taken over. That's your altar now. Now you got to turn it off and say, Man, I'm going to get some prayer in here. I'm going to get some reading in here. I'm going to do some fasting in here. I'm going to become who I used to be so I can accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. How many can say with me, I kind of left my first love. Just lift up your hand. Come on, be honest. Left my first love. But I'm coming back. Can you lift up your hands and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back because if God loves you that much, then you need to respond to him because that's how much he loves you. When your mom and dad used to rebuke you, you didn't like it, but they loved you and it hurt them more than it hurt you until you grew up and you found out that your kids were doing the same thing. Now you're reaping. Come on. Let's stand up and let's lift up our hands and maybe we need to repent. Would you just lift up both hands as the team comes up? Because I don't care who you are. God loves you. You ain't going to change his mind. He has one stubborn God because somebody is praying for you. Somebody is interceding for you. Somebody, somewhere, even speaking in tongues or just praying, somebody, somebody is praying for you. Whether you believe it or not, somebody is always praying for you. Would you just lift up both hands? Come on. Both hands, when that policeman put that gun on you, both of them went up. They didn't even tell you to praise him. He said to surrender. 
say with me, in the name of Jesus, we're here, oh God, and we're here to praise you. Help us to keep the fire inside of our souls, burning day and night, becoming that candle that never runs dry of oil. In the name of Jesus, I put away my works. I put away all my sins. In the name of Jesus, wash me now by the blood of the Lamb. Set me free. In the name of Jesus, devil, I rebuke you now. I rebuke you now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I free. I am free. And free indeed. Now give him a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.